0: Truth be told, I had originally had a completely different closer schmooze. So if what I'm about to say has no shaychas to, um, to the advertised title of the, uh, the schmooze, so uh, there's a reason for that because it's not that schmooze. Unfortunately, we learned uh, the night before last that Ramatissio Solomon, the Lakewood Hashiva, the Lakewood Mashkiach, was Nifter after fighting an illness for uh, for many years, and I feel that it's appropriate to give, not a Hespid, because of course I am absolutely not worthy to give any Divrei Hespid on, on a Tzaddik of such a caliber, but just some takeaway that we as a yeshiva could perhaps take, absorb from this massive loss that Klai Yisrael sustained. When our Malkiel yesterday was masked him, he started out by saying that when the previous mashkiach in Likwood Rav Nassim Bachvogel was Nifter, Sir Rav Matisio Solomon, who took over for him, said at the beginning of his Hesped, quoting a Gemara in Brachas, that ain't aymrim bifnei el al shall mace. You only say in front of a mace the words of a mace, which really what the Gemara means to say is that you're only allowed to talk halachas that are negea to the Kfura of the mace. You're not supposed to talk about anything else in the presence of the mace. You have to be busy with dvarim mace, only getting the mace buried as quick as possible and anything that has to do with halachas of, of a mace, that's what's permitted to talk in front, of the, in front of a mace and nothing else. But I guess homiletically, Rabbi Matisio said that when you're speaking in front of a mace, when you're being maspit a mace, you only should be saying devarav You should always try to bring out what would the mace be telling us today if he could talk. Devarav means what would be the overarching theme of the mace's life that he would want to impart to us upon his patira. And that's really the point of any hespid or any divrezikarin or any words of his ayurahs when losing such an Adam Gadol is trying to take for ourselves what we can from this massive loss, what what would be a Musser that we'd be able, be able to take out? Reb happened to have said about Reb Nasan that he would say about he would say to us the Dvar of Shalmese of Reb Nasan was learn Musser. because that's what Reb Nasser was all about. Reb Nasan was a very big proponent of Mussar, we have Svarm of his in the base Medrash, everything is Mussar. To just learn Mussar and Mussar Beis Labus, and Mussar is going to solve all of our Midas Royce, all of our personal issues could be solved by learning Mussar. And this is what Ramatis felt was the theme of the Hesped for Abnassan, is like to show the Chashivas of Mussar. And somebody just asked me this morning, one of the Talmidim, like, what could we do for the mace? Like, what would we be able to do as a yeshiva, or should we be doing something? And I recalled a story that happened to me as a bacher. I believe I was in 12th grade when Ramesha Feinstein was nifter. And of course, the yeshiva went to the hespit in the Lower East Side, and there were tens of thousands, maybe more than 100,000 possibly. It was a massive sea of people that came to, be, to give Kavad Acheron to Rav Meshir. And then we came back to yeshiva, and I don't know if it was that day or it was the next day, but a friend of mine in Meshir got one of those um, Shleshim charts you know, like to, to fill out all the Mishnayos, and we sometimes hang it up in yeshiva here if somebody has a, a grandparent that they want to uh, uh, finish Shastra, which is, of course, a very noble cause. So my friend, in, in you know, really, P'taym Leivov, he was trying to do it purely and innocently, he wrote on the top of the sheet that maran feinstein. And he was going around our class and and the whole yeshiva to try to uh, get Shas Mishnayis completed for Amosha Shalashim. a beautiful idea, or so we thought. My rabbi came into the classroom and you know said, "What what are you doing?" So he explained to him that you know I'm doing uh, Shas Mishnayis for Amosha. And my rabbi got very serious, and he everyone had to sit down. And for the next half hour, maybe longer, he was giving us, I guess what you would maybe describe a, a musser Shmooz. But it, it stayed with me till today. It wasn't last year. It was a long time ago. But it stayed with me till today. And he, he was basically saying that when an Adam Gadol of this caliber is Nifter, we shouldn't be busy trying to find zchusim for him. If somebody's, you know, great aunt was Nefteris, you know, and you want to give her extra zchusim, so it's a beautiful thing to gather people and learn mishnayot, shas mishnayot, make a siyum by her shleishim, by her yard side. That's a beautiful thing, and it's beautiful for anybody. But when you have somebody of Remeisha Feinstein's caliber, and what, and we, the response is okay. Let's learn mishnayot l'zeichen ishmasay that's completely missing the point of the Pterah of a Gadol. He doesn't need our zechosim. Ramesh Refeinstein was the Rabban Shal Yisrael, the whole Kla Yisrael lived in his chus. He, he didn't need our, us learning Mishnayis. We, on the other hand, need his chosim. We have to tap into the great zechos of Ramesh Refeinstein. That would be something that would be, uh, you know, the proper response when losing an Adam Gadol is not, what can we do for him to make his neshama, his neshama is doing just fine, Baruch Hashem. We have to try to take a message from this, like what was he all about, what defined the Gadol that we lost, and try to take the words of the Gadol, what would he tell us, if he was standing here in this room right now, what would he be telling us to do? And then if we could try to listen to that and, and, and to, to the degree that we're able to try to weave that into our lives, that's, that's the greatest response that we could have to the Patir of an adam gadol. And it should also be pointed out that when a gadol is nifter, the Svarim HaKadoshim write that it's very attainable the milus that this gadol had achieved in his life and, that, and fought for in his life is quite attainable, much more so than it was a few days ago. Because when he goes up to Shemayim, there is like a hashpa of his godless in the world, and whoever wants to could just grasp whatever magic dust there is floating around in the world and be able to, to capture... The essence of that Gadol and really incorporate it into their daily lives. There's a, a tremendous skula, if you will, right now during this period after the Gadol was Nifter. That if we could define and take for ourselves a lesson from his great life that we feel is applicable to us, then it would really be a, a very, very worthy uh, endeavor and it would be a successful endeavor with Siatha d'shmaya because. He's giving us this. This is something that we're able to hop from him now at this moment uh, in our lives. Just to speak a little biographical detail about Rehmatisio, he was born in, in England. He was born in Gateshead in 1937. And he basically learned there. He learned in the... Great yeshiva in Gateshead, and Gateshead is one of, like, I guess it would be called, let's say, the Lakewood of Europe, if you will. It's the most uh, established and uh, and and Hashiva yeshivas in Europe. And and Reb, and Reb learned there, and he uh, and he eventually became in the mashgiach there as a, as a young yeshiva boy. He used to tell over a story that his malamed, his teacher and Cheder, took him once on an autumn day, and they were walking around Gateshead, and all of the leaves were falling off the trees, which is what happens during fall, and they were beginning to turn colors, they were going, you know, foliage, they started turning red and then brown, and he says, you see all these leaves in the park, all these nice leaves rolling around the park. Yeah? He says, these leaves think that they're free. Now, instead of being tethered to a tree, instead of being attached to the tree without anywhere to go, now they broke loose from the tree, and now life starts for them. This is when freedom begins. And the malamid continued and said, well, obviously, we know that that's not the case. As much as it thinks right now that it's free, but what's gonna happen within a few days, it's it's gonna shrink, it's gonna completely dissipate, it's going to break apart, it's gonna be nothing. But the leaves that manage to stay on the tree, even though they're bound to the tree, but they're alive, as long as they retain their attachment to the tree, they retain life itself. And the Malamite told Rebellion, and Rebellion would say this many, many years later, to great Talmidim, Talmidachamim of Akim, whether it was in Gateshead or Lakewood or any of these cities in the, throughout the world that he went to give droshas and, and shmuzen to, that this is what somebody that's attached to the Torah is. If you're attached to a yeshiva, if you're attached to a Rebbe, if you're attached to a Makom Torah, if you learn Torah, then, it's you're attached to the source of life. You have a life. Those individual leaves that feel they want to break away from Yeshiva, they want to break away from a rabbi, it's too claustrophobic. They want to be free. They want to go out and experience all that life has to offer. And they feel that, wow, I'm alive. Finally, I got out. Unfortunately, we see that it always happens, 10 out of 10 times, that those people, they eventually leave and they don't have any chiyas to them. They become very sad by their decision. Matasio has many, many, very chash of a whole series called Mat Uh He has on Yamim Taivim and he has Haggadah and he has on different parts of the year and different, uh, and Musr we have his vadin that Talmidim wrote over, whether it's from Sosi Sharim, Shari Tshuva, uh, other great Musr svarim we have, like he basically goes and uh, takes it apart, like verse by verse in these, in these svarim, giving his own pirish to them. Great contribution to the world of Mussar and the world of Taira, a brilliant Machshava with a mesira from Rabbi Elia Lapian, which is where he, he considered him his Rabbi Muvuk. We happen to be learning this year uh, on Tuesday nights in the Va'den, Rabbi Elia Lapian's uh, ideas, his beautiful, brilliant ideas, and that was who um, Rabbi Matisio learned by and considered to be his Rabbi Mubuk. There are some English sarim, if you're interested, that are also very beautiful, um, with hearts full of faith, with hearts full of love, different volumes on Chinuch, published by Arts Girl. Beautifully written English. It wasn't written by him, it was written by, uh, by somebody who, a very talented writer. And um, one of the themes that I love in his svarim is how, how a child, when he comes home from yeshiva, should feel that a home is his ir miklat, it's his city of refuge. And he was very against, which is really why I really liked Ramat Yisrael Solomon. he was very against homework. I remember I hated homework, and I certainly hate doing my, doing my kids' homework for them, I mean with them, but, you know, it's something that, you know, it's, it's like, what are you doing? Like, what, your job as a Rebbe or a teacher in school is to teach them in school. When they come home, kids are not supposed to feel that school is an extension of, uh, that, that home is an extension of school. That's, then, that's what school is for. You have to know, like, what is what. Homework is a, is a terrible idea because, and tests are really a terrible idea. It's a necessary evil sometimes because if you don't give tests, then people don't study. But if, imagine a world without tests and without homework. It would be a beautiful life. You can come home you can have cookies and milk, you can be able to schmooze with your parents, be b'nihousa, be, 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 be happy, be able to feel a warmth envelop you when you come home. Instead, these kids bring like a, knaps- a knapsack that weighs like 400 pounds, literally. They bring home every textbook, which I have no idea why they do that. And um, they don't use them, but uh, you just use the internet anyway. But um, i I'll get to that in a second. But <laughs> um, But you know, why are you making the... And then all of a sudden the parents, instead of becoming parents, instead of being parents, they become teachers. And they have to try to scramble and figure out, you know, what did Rabbi say in Shir? And then what did, uh, what did the algebra teacher do? And what did the, you know, this new math that they're doing, which makes no sense, like what is that all about? And it becomes very tense in the house. Instead of being a place that you come and have menucha and shalva, suddenly it becomes like a crazy house. And if you look in these books, they're phenomenal. It's just like real... I mean, obviously, I don't think any school really you know, did anything about this because the other schools are giving homework. We have to give homework. But in a, in a perfect world, this is the way it should be. It should be a child comes home and feels, ah, oh, I'm home, I'm not in school, I can I could relax, I can enjoy my parents' company, I can enjoy playing games with my siblings, I can enjoy just sitting around and doing nothing for a change, instead of having this constant pressure day and night. And that's something, just a little bit of a messiah from Ramatis Yob and There's a Misa that I saw years ago, and I've quoted it very, very often. I think I just said it by Shalashotis maybe a few weeks ago, that Rav Matisio was very close with Rav Shach. And Rav Shach used to always have a minug that he would have candies in his pocket. He'd have like a whole bunch of sucking candies in his pocket, different colors. And whenever uh, a child would come with his father, his father maybe wanted to talk to Rav Shach about something, he'd bring his child, or maybe it was Rav Rav Shach's grandchildren were running around, or whatever it was, whenever there was a young child, uh, Rav Shach would take out his candies from his pocket, and he would offer the child uh, a candy. If you look in my book, Great Jewish Photographs, uh, you'll see one of the cutest, sweetest pictures in the world. It's uh, Rav Shach was giving candies out to uh, like a, a Talmud of his children. And this father that came to Rav Shach was holding a girl, his, his young daughter in his, hand, in his arms. And you see the, the girl has like behind her back one hand with a candy. You see it in the picture. There's a candy in her hand. But she's still sti- sticking out her other hand to get another candy from Rav She already got one from Rav and she wanted another one. And Roshach, you know, he, he was smart, so he, like, he, he said, I already gave you one, and, and I, have to, I don't have enough for the other kinderlach, but she was busted. But you see, the, you see the, in the picture, like, it's so cute, because you actually see the whole story played out in the picture. So one time Ramatisio was sitting together with shach talking, I'm sure, about very, very important matters, and then all of a sudden a child is running around, Rav Shach pulls out his candies and, and stops the child and says, no, take a, ch- take a candy. So he's looking, you know, the, can- the child is looking, you know, there's like a green and, and yellow and, and, and blue and, and red. So Rav Shah says to the child that Mistama, you want a red candy, right? All kids love red. Red is always like the, the go-to, I like green, I don't know, but, 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 but a lot of kids like red. And so he said, Mstami, you want the red? And the, the kid took the red and he ran away. So Ramatisyao, you sort of, I guess, you know, you know, to be funny, uh, you know, to tongue in cheek or whatever, he says, the Rashiva is making the child into an Asav, Because Asav is the one that likes red. Halitani, nam, adam, adam, give me the red stuff. Why? Are you making the child into an of So, Rav Shach stops, and he says, I want you to know something. He says, the problem with Esau was not that he liked red. He says, people in general, children like the color red because red is something that captures a certain passion. There's a certain uh, excitement about the color red. That's why Coca-Cola makes you know their cans red. When you see the color red, you get thirsty. Uh, that's why like people drive like red candy apple Corvettes because there's something like very enticing, very uh, stimulating about the color red. Red is an exciting. A bull gets crazy when it sees red. Red. There's something to red. I, think, uh, I read recently that I think Heinz ketchup tried to change the color from red to green. I guess they heard that I like green. Um, but uh, it was a complete disaster. Like, nobody bought that. Nobody wants to put, you know, green ketchup on their french fries. It just doesn't, it doesn't go. I don't know what the habamina was, but because red is red. Red is gisho. When you see red, you want it. That's just the reality. Red is a very enticing color. He says, and it's good for a child to have that that, that eagerness, that, that excitement, that enthusiasm. When you're a child, you should be excited to have something red. And so I'm giving the child a red candy. He's a child. He's allowed to have a fantasy. He's allowed to have imagination and, and be excitable. He says the problem with Esav is that it never stopped. Esav, there's a point in life when you have to like just calm down. Like, it, it, you had your phase of, of excitement in life, and now you're maturing. And when you mature, you have to, like, start putting things in perspective, and it's not, not age-appropriate anymore to have that. Sometimes you see, like, it's cool to have, like, somebody your age to have a, a red Corvette, you know, ripping around the neighborhood. If there's a guy that's in his like, you know, midlife crisis and he's like 80 years old, 70 years old, and he's like, you know, he's, uh, he's racist, it's like pathetic. Like, what are you doing? Like, it doesn't pass for you. This car is not built for you. You look, you look silly in this car. Esau was not able to, to give it up. Esau was not able. He wanted that red the rest of his life, his entire life. And that, that was the tragedy of Esau's. But for a young child, a young, young child without imagination, without excitement, that's not good. But when you get to a certain age, you need to like to say, okay, now I, I had that excitement, now I want to move on to something more chashev in my life. I was once sitting with Iviron Schechter who was also nifty this year, uh, in a a car. I drove him somewhere, and then we were just sitting outside his house, schmoozing in the car uh, for a long time. And I was talking to him about whatever it was, maybe about personal things, then segue to yeshiva things. And I was talking to him about the Internet. And the Internet at the time, this was going back to maybe 2010, 2011, it was becoming like a very big problem. And it just got exploded into a much bigger problem. But then it was like already like smartphones weren't really that, you know, widespread and, and, and people weren't like so into... The, but it was a problem. It was definitely a problem. It was definitely growing. But it wasn't yet what it is today. But it was still very significant. And I, and I was saying how, you know, how in yeshiva we have internet access and we need internet because of college studies and, you know, and, and what, what should we do about it? Like help. So Rav Aaron said, he told me a big yeside about the internet. Basically, I think I spoke about it when I was talking about Rav Aaron when he, after he was nifter. But basically, he was saying about the internet that the problem with technology as a whole, and it's a very Rav Aaron thing to the way his mahalach, from being a Talmud of and a Talmud of Slabatka and Godless Adam, is that a human being has to be a human being. A human being is great because he's human. And the problem with technology, he wasn't even talking, I don't even know if he was aware of like what what happens on the internet and the schmutz and the and the tibis and the 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 like everything that you could possibly want or not want in life is there and accessible. He wasn't even talking about that. He was just saying that the more that a human being becomes addicted to technology and, and we become like one with technology, that our smartphone, our, our, our laptop, becomes like an appendage of our body. He says it takes away from the human greatness, the godless the Adam, because we're no, now we're like turning into machine. machine. When man turns into a machine, that's a big problem. It's not a problem for... Society at large, people would be happy if that happened, I guess, but you know, we try to, like, you know, we're waiting for that day that they're going to stick uh, you know, some uh, you know, flash drive into our brain and give it, that, we, that way I don't have to do my kids' homework with them anymore. Like, that's something that would be a good thing, but, but we're becoming dehumanized. The godless Adam is becoming lessened every day. The more that we're, we become part and parcel with technology, we become machine. And that to a slabotka is the worst curse that a person could have. A human being does not want to be a machine. A human being wants to be a human being, wants to be great with a neshama and with uh, with with all of the the godless, with all the elevation that man represents. The Yitzir of Akhar Shvarchu, Akhar handiwork, and everything that is great about man. This is what is the uh, is the the threat of technology at least, you know, to Ravaran's mind, which I think is a beautiful concept. Um, but then he said, and this is why I'm bringing this, he says, and besides, he says, I know that Ramatisio is working on something. That was like an inside piece of information that I don't think anyone else in Klai Yisrael, you know, unless you were in the Meitzas or something, knew about. It was like a, a little, like, sneak peek into what was about to happen in history, a historic thing that Ravaran just, like, opened up a door to us. I said, what do you mean, Reb Matisio? He says, you'll see. You'll see Reb Matisio is working on it. And sure enough, in uh, two years later, it was in May 2012, that Reb Matisio, Solomon, together with the, the late Scolena Rebbe, they decided, and this was, it was very hard, it's very hard to even explain, the, uh, the, the tension that went in to this, to this Asifa, but they decided they were gonna make an internet Asifa, that they're gonna rent City Field, which is very close to us. Uh, it's the old Shea Stadium where you know the Mets play, and they built, then it was a pretty new stadium, and they were going to build, they were going to have an entire stadium filled with people Bnei whoever wanted to come, and it would be a stadium that was a kinis, L'shem Shemayim, a kinis, a gathering, that was supposed to save future diaries of Klal Yisrael, anti-internet. And you can understand how like the newspapers, the secular newspapers, and even some of the cynical Jewish newspapers, were very, you know, they, they went to, 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 to town on this. The, rabbi, the Orthodox rabbis are, making a, are doing battle against the internet. Like, that's like, you know, that's like a, a Luddite type of thing. You know, you're, you're going and battling against technology. Technology is, is the savior. And you're battling it like you're in a, in a, you know, prehistoric creatures that are like against advancement of society. And even from people were very, were mocking in. I remember there were like very not nice ads about how, whatever, I'm not going to get into it. But basically were very, there was a lot, of, a lot of controversy swelling around. What are you doing? Nobody's going to come, first of all. And what do you, what's the point of it? You know, are you playing a game? You are you, you know, well, I understand why people come to stadiums to watch games. I understand why they go for CMS shots. But who's going to go against the internet? Are going to go to an Asifa? Like, it doesn't, you know, for what? And who's going to come? And, uh, P.S., they not only filled up the 40,000 seats in, in Shea Stadium, they also took over Arthur Ashe Stadium, which is a stone's throwaway. They filled that up in record time. And the entire Lake yeshiva came, and Hasidim came, and on the dais had, you know, maybe a hundred, 200 Rashishivas, rebbes, rabbonim, and they all came. This was all Mattiseo Solomon's doing, together with this Glen Rebbe. But it was his initiative, his push. And I was in touch personally with I always like writing myself into history. Um, but I was in touch with the with the the, the people in charge, like our uh assistants, who are really doing all of the all of the work. Um, you know, it's a it's a lot of a lot of detail that has to go into creating such an asifa, from printing out tickets, the divide, getting the tickets out there, selling the tickets, and uh, advertise this, and uh, and to get the speakers. That's a tremendous tremendous ordeal, and. I don't know if they had time for me, but I was basically trying to push to get we want, I wanted to get for Yeshiva a lot of tickets. I said, "We're very close. We're Shanim to city field. And you know, Lakewood guys don't necessarily need these tickets because they don't use the Internet. But here in Yeshiva, we have to use it for our college. We need it. We need it. guys here need it. I need it. So he sent us I think it was 100 tickets. But not Stam tickets. We got the best seats in the house. In fact, when um, Ami magazine wrote a whole cover feature on it, it was basically about like we were interviewed. Like I was interviewed. Guys in yeshiva were interviewed, and it was like it was a big Yom shemayim that you know we were there and we and 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 it was this was really a sea change in Klal Yisrael because it's it. You know, whether it it didn't solve the problem, obviously the problem still is very strong and it still exists much more than it did then. But in a sense, it created a lot of new developments came out as a result of this Asifa. Uh, The TAG, this whole initiative to filter one's phones uh, and all the other subsequent Asifa's uh, anti-technology. My daughter went to one recently, I forgot what it was called, but basically it packed like... Tens of thousands of, of from women and girls into into some place in New Jersey. I think it's maybe Ashreino. I don't remember what it's called exactly, but but there is you know it was all about not being online and not uh, there were, you know just the the dangers of being online and social media and internet and 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 you know how businesses shouldn't be online. And it was a, it, these are very powerful uh, conscious you know, spreading type of movements. These are, when you, when you have people gathered, at least you recognize there's a problem. If you don't have these gatherings, if you don't make any, any pirsume uh, about these things, so you just think it's normal. Before the Internet of Sifa, you could use Internet, and you didn't even feel guilty about it. It was like normal. Now, if we use it, we use it, hopefully, you know, we don't want to use it. We know that it's a avid. And if we use it, we have to do it for this, that, or we're being nichshol and using it. But at least there's, there's the, the acknowledgement on a certain level that this is not a lechatchil, this is a problem. And, okay, maybe they're hatayim for the problem. Maybe for Parnassus we're allowed to do it, and for this we're allowed. But at least the, it doesn't start, like, prove to me that I can't use it. It's like, you have to prove to me that you can use it. And this was the great, historic, monumental, Fight. There are engaged in this. It's a fight against technology, and it was not a small battle. Today, it seems like you know it's a given. Like you know, really, from people, they they use flip phones and uh, you know and, and kosher phones and all. This wasn't even a, a discussion before Ramatisio came into the, onto the picture, at least not in America. And he really created an entire change of 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 mindset about about. Technology and about the dangers of technology. And we have to be careful with our children's use of technology and our own use of technology. And, and when is it mutter? And if it is mutter, where should you use it? How could you use it? And, and why should you use it? And this was a, a very, this is the, perhaps the greatest, uh, the greatest historic achievement that Amatisio did. It's interesting that I never heard this until uh, yesterday, but Amatisio was aware that by creating this mapecha, by this revolution that he was starting against technology, that he was going up against the Eight Sahara. Because the Eight Sahara, this is the Eight Sahara's you cannot you have to understand the Eight Sahara had never had such a, a great achievement in world history as the internet, as technology. When I was a child, um, you know, there was a Yitzhahara, Sahara, obviously, and everybody had Taivas, but in order to do something, in order to act out in a type, in order to like to see something that's that's us or to see, you'd have to like go and sneak and do and buy. And it was very complicated, it was very difficult. So by the time you even thought about it, you know, the OTS kicked in, and you didn't do it. Or if you did do it, it was like it was like jumping through hoops. But now you have like the eight said, you know, you don't have to do that. You just have a cell phone, have a smartphone, have a computer, and you can do anything that you want. No one even knows about it. You lock your door, you have Unfa- unfiltered unfettered you know exposure to everything and anything that a human being could ever imagine it's unbelievable the Yitzhahara is like this is him this is pure yetzhar this is like you know obviously it's a klisham lafta but it's also klisham lafta out there. there's a lot of other things that are very positive that you know that you use a phone for and you use uh you know you can use it for business, and you could use it for, uh, for writing. You know, a lot of people bring their laptops into the base madrash uh, to type up shiurim and to type up this. And that, you know, that's, th- there's obviously very good uses for it. You could print a safer today like that. You don't need typeset. You just, everything is just, like, printed beautifully straight off of your computer. You could print out partial sheets. You can, you know, tar any time. There, there's great uses for, uh, for technology also. Great Jewish... Podcast. There's a lot, a lot of good stuff that you could get on the internet, but at the same time, it's a very deadly tool as well. So you have to be very careful, clearly, in how it's used. But Reb said that I know, I know that by doing this, by 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 creating this fierce battle against the Eitzahara, he's going to come after me. I'm making myself into a huge target for the Eitzahara, and I understand. That this is going to be a a, a mochama that literally will risk my I will have to risk my very life for, but I'm willing to do that for Klal Yisrael. And soon after he started this this mapecha, he got very sick, and he was you know we've been saying to him from Matzios like for many years, and uh, you know Baruch Hashem he, you know he was sick and then he got a little better sick better but he was never himself since. Very shortly there, a- after this, this Asifa that he created and this whole storm that, was, uh, that he, he was able, he managed to, to, to bring about, he got very sick and he understood that that was what he would have to undergo in order to fight the Eitzar. The Eitzar is not happy with her. What are you doing? You're stopping me? You're getting in my way? And so he was literally, in a way, he was Meisr Nefesh. Not in a way, he was Meisr Nefesh for Kla Yisrael. And so I think if we could think of something, a Huha Yahimer, a Dvarov Shalmais, saying I'm if they may say a I I don't think it like you have to be like a Havracha Kadesh uh, to know that I think Ramatisau would say, and I guess specifically maybe to us more than any other place not more than any other place, but like, you know, especially to us that and I'm talking to myself as well. That we have to ourselves figure out a way to limit our our access and our exposure to technology. And I know it's very very difficult because we're all very busy with it, and we we get it's our source of news, and we want to know what's going on here at Israel, and it's our source for information and knowledge that we need in order to do our stu- our. our Our papers and our finals and our research things and whatever we're doing, it became a part of us. No one's going into the library and taking out a World Book Encyclopedia, you know, S to T and and, and looking up, you know, shipping. Like everybody, whatever you need to look up, you do it online. I get it. It's an amazing, powerful tool. You have Barilan. You have, you know, you have Hebrew books. You have everything online. You don't need. You don't need anymore, kemat, except for on Shabbos. You have everything that you need. You know that. So it's it's not so easy just to say, all right, let's get rid of it. But on the other hand, just to be to invite it into our homes and to use it, you know, to degrees that is is too dangerous for us. As Bachram, as, as married people, as Rabbanim, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. The Yitzhara is there, and we have to figure out what we should do. Because the battle is not getting easier. The battle is getting stronger. The Internet is not, like, subsiding. The Internet is becoming more and more part of our daily life. There's going to be, and maybe it's already on the market, but I read about this years ago that, you know, they're gonna, there's going to be smart refrigerators, that could tell, you know, if your milk is getting sour because it's already, the date is already, it's beyond the shelf life date, and it's going to, like, contact your supermarket for you to order more milk. You know, the, the, you don't have enough uh, cream cheese, or the cream cheese is turning green, you know, so it's going to hop that, and it's going to be able to sense that, and, 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 and you know, with the, with the Amazon shipment, it's going to bring all that to your door without even your involvement. Now, maybe that's happened already, I don't know. But the point is that this is the way of the future. This is of the future. And the Itzahara is loving this. The Yitzhahara is having a field day with this because it knows, and we don't even know. We think like, okay, this is it. I know what the Internet is, and I'm dealing with it. We don't even know. Whatever we think is the Internet and technology, we're not even at the tip of the... This is not the tip of the iceberg. We have no idea what, you know, what, what we thought was the Internet's threat in 2012 We can't imagine in 20, you know, what what really would happen in 2024. And we have no idea what's going to happen in 2034 and how it's going to affect everything. We don't know. It's just AI is like ridiculous. People are, you could write a whole, you know, whole book with AI and and no one would know that it's not you and, 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 you know, artificial intelligence will take over the world, people's jobs. I don't know. There's, we don't know where it's going. It's going somewhere that's not good. We don't know exactly where it's going, but we know that wherever it's taking us, it's not good. And so I did ask Ravaran, you know, okay, Bala and Torah Reva Matasio, you know, does something about it. What should we do about it? And it's interesting what he said. He said that have the Talmidim themselves get together and they should figure it out. You shouldn't figure it out for them. They should figure it out for themselves. And, and I think that that is really, a, you know, a great Eitzah because, like, you know, we're all struggling with this. We all have this issue that we have to deal with and, and each person has to deal with it in a way that suits themselves. But, like, if you could do it b'chabura, if you yourselves could get together in groups, large or small, and try to figure out, like, what are we going to do about it, that's an amazing thing. I remember years ago, maybe... Ten years ago, there was one room, a very chash room, in room, in, you know, in the dorms. And they recognized that they were not able to be, I'm a that, you that know, they didn't want to have yichud with their laptops. They do not want to have any, all the nissayinists that go into being alone with a computer as a bacher and whatever, it's terrible, terrible. So what they did was an amazing thing, that they had they they created like a, a password system on their laptops, and they were only able to access the next page of their laptop if all the roommates put their own passwords in one after another. You can imagine what a pain that must have been to do any, you know. It takes away the entire geschmack of using the internet if I have to every page I'm going. to Like, you know, we have to keep on doing this. But that's what that's the degree that they understood that they needed to go through in order to be Ayman Bin Isayin. And that's just illustrative of what, if you have a group of people together that is able to really, you know, that cares enough about this and recognizes the challenge and recognizes that this is what Ramat want, wants us to do, to try to have a, you know, just a, an ability to see the Aitzahara in the in the eyes and to and to try to to grapple with it in a way that's doable, it takes Bahram coming together by themselves and saying, Okay, let's do this, this is a good strategy for us. It might be using web cover, which I think is a great strategy or Ayin Raya, there's different technologies that you that that's out there that you know, every t- every page that I see, my Rebbe has access to, or my friends have access. They can see everywhere that I've scrolled. Um, that's a that's a very, I think, big. Uh, that that's a big. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Is um, the word I'm looking for? But you know that that's a, a way that that would I, I would be what deterrent. deterrent. That's the word. Thank you. That would, that's a very big deterrent for using the internet. If I know that wherever I'm looking, you know, obviously there should be a, a, the deterrent that Hakadosh is looking at everything that I that I'm looking at. But sometimes, you know, when you, we're in funny moods and it's late at night and there's no one in the dorm, somehow that doesn't help. But if I know that my parents are looking at or my friends, my that's a, a good deterrent. But whatever it is, it's not for me to tell you. You know, I'm not preaching here about like. It's something that we, as as a community, we as a society, we as a yeshiva, as a chabura, together, have to try to come and and, and try to figure out ways that we are not going to be nichal. Yes, we need it. Okay, let's assume that that's the reality that we do need. we not. No one's bringing a typewriter to yeshiva. Nobody is going to be bringing their encyclopedia, uh, you know, Britannica's back. You know, back. It's not going to happen. We're not moving that backwards. Although sometimes it would be nice if we could, uh, Baruch Hashem, I'm telling you, Baruch Hashem that I, I grew up in the in the age of Encyclopedia Britannica, it's like it's not, it was a nice time, you know, it was that you didn't have this constant Yetzirah, it was like a normal, you could have, you could be a normal human being without having to like always have, have this tension. But this is where we're at, ha- this is where we're at in society and, and this is where we have to deal with. So... Assuming that we need it, we have to figure out how we can limit our access to it, how we can limit what we see, how we can limit the images that we're looking at and, the, and, and what we're reading on it, and, and be strong and be miskaber, And it's difficult to be miskaber because, you know, yes, some days you want to be at Tzaddik, sometimes you're not in the mood to be at Tzaddik. And then, like, sometimes you, you, know, you want to have your Internet filtered, and sometimes I don't want to have my Internet. Sometimes I want to have access to this and, I, and, and you go back and forth. So as a chabura, as an individual, the HR is going to win. As a chabura, sometimes it's possible to accomplish things that we can't do as Yechidim. And I think this is the great legacy of the great Meshkiach or His, his, you know, His legacy is far greater than just this. This is one piece. This is like the last kuf of his life. To really give him the full treatment, you know, you're going to have to wait, I guess, till Arts Girls' biography comes out of that, and I'm sure there will be one, because he was a great individual, full of chachma, full of love, and a Mayim. And, Shemayim, and I, I, I've heard him speak, you know, in, in, in real life many times uh, as, a, as a high school bacher, as a, as a teenager, he used to come to, you know, to a certain, to the five towns, I lived in Long Beach and my father used to take me during uh Sarsa He used to speak every year in the in the five towns and we would go and hear him. He had a a beautiful, you know, the British accent, which always is always helps when when you're a speaker. But everything that he said was so beautiful and so well thought through and so powerful, so inspirational. And he was Bishaita, you know, he again, he has been sick for many years now, but like well, when he was b'chayim chiyusa, when he was really alive, he was going all over the world uh, and 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 giving drushes and shmuz and, and inspiring Yidin of all walks of life and uh, Russian Yidin he was very involved with and and in Lakewood and in Gateshead and regularly shivas and shuls around. He was a very very important figure in Klal Yisrael, and this is one part. This is one aspect of his life that perhaps is the most historic of his life, but it doesn't encapsulate his entire being. He was, he was Reb Matus before the Internet was even a thing. And and his legacy should not just be this, but yet at the same time, it is a very, very important thing for us, I think, as yeshiva, as our yeshiva, to embrace that legacy of him. Because I think that is something that he contributed, even though you weren't... You know, here, during the Internet asifa, you were probably all small children when it happened, but it was a very important step. And maybe they should do it again, but until they do it again, if they could ever be able to do it again, we have to try... I'm trying to, like, give you some of the reisham that it had at, in its time and to be able to continue that inspiration is something that Rometisio's death, perhaps, will be able to give a... From Shemaim, he'll be able to be mashpia down lamata shefa of, of at least awareness in his iris again uh, of the great challenge that we have before us. And like I said, at a time of Patira, it's perhaps the greatest opportunity that we have to be able to pull down the nitzaytes of kedusha, the 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 ability to to change ourselves. For the better. So if, let's say, we are struggling with uh, the amount of time alone, forget about what you're looking at. Maybe your, your internet is already filtered, and you're not looking at anything that you shouldn't. caviajo. But let's say that that is the case. But, you know, Sunday mornings is the biggest mustard shmooze that I get, and that's like when, when you get the screen time, and it tells you exactly how many hours a day, you know, that you use, and you're up 39% this week. I'm like, what? How did that happen? But uh, I'm I'm up to, like, 40 minutes a day. It's crazy. I'm joking. How am I? (laughs) But... But it's, it's a scary, you know, it's a scary thing. How much time? Yeah, I, I use it for, I write my sarim on it, and I use it for, uh, you know, for a lot of good stuff. But there's it's also a lot of Bittul Zmanim. You know, you get obsessed with, you know, the news in Eretzim. So you have to check Yeshiva World 100 times a day, and you have to check Matzav 100, you know, like all these webs, just because you want, it's a good thing, right? You want to see what's going on in Israel, but it's enough, like, chalas, you know, it's enough. You know, there's, there's a time that you could stop, and you should, and you should stop. And, uh, you know, and the amount of Bittlesman, Bittletaira that it causes, and, 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 and the, and the stusum of course, of WhatsApp, and all of the, you know, the, the memes that you get, and the, and, and the videos, the little thing, and it's cute, and it's funny, and it's, and then you spread it, and like, you know, it's it just like, it's not, it's not None of this stuff is l'chatchila. It became part of us. We don't even realize that there's anything wrong with it at this point, but it's, it's taking up our life. It's, it's really, it's sa- sapping us of, of so much time, and time is life. If we wouldn't have the phone, we'd literally, all that time that we see on our screen time that we spend, that could be going towards learning. That could be going towards doing mitzvahs, to davening better, and to, and to not be so, you know, attached to our technology, which is taking away our godless Adam. But, you know, we're going into Ben Azmanim now, and... I guess there's no better time, really, than to talk about this for all of us, myself included, during Ben Azmanim, because when you have Azman, so you have, a, you have a Rebbe, and you have a Shir, and, you have a, and, you have, and you're busy, you have school, and you have nights city, and, and we're busy. So, and even then, we, we, we obviously manage to spend too much time on it. But when we go into intercession, we want to just chill. So we'll learn a Hashem, and I'm not, I have no doubt that any, everyone and everyone in this room you know, if you're here on the last day of the zman and you're 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 in the base medrash right now, then it's Pasha to me. It's over that You're all going to learn at least you know three, four, five, ten hours a day. It's not a, that's not a shayla, but there's still a lot of time that you know that is is now our time. I'm not in school. I'm not in college. I'm not you know. I have no nowhere to go. So what am I going to do? I'm going to chill. I'm going to I'm going to do you know and and. And so going into Ben Azmanim is a time that maybe we could be mechazic a little bit, ourselves and, and our, whoever is around us, our friends, to, to, to try to not give in to that Nisayan. Because this, this, when we don't have Azman, when things are Ben Azmanim, when we don't have the, the, the same scaffolding of, a, of, a, of Starim and, 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 and a chevra, then we know that those are very dangerous times that the Yitzhar gets puts a full core press on us, and we, we fall a lot during ben Now, in the summer, summers is really bad. You have three months. In the summer, it's, it's keferoch. But, so now is a time that we can really, like, before we go home for this month, wherever you're going, you know, to try to, like, try to make a formal Kabbalah or an informal Kabbalah, at least have an awareness that I'm going home, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be nichshal in in watching things that I shouldn't and and looking at at things that are us or spending too much time on on it, giving technology what it wants, giving Neitzah Haru, all of that, all of me. I want to be able, and and I I, I can guarantee you that if you're able to limit your amount of exposure or completely not have exposure to it, I guarantee you'll come back and you'll be happier. You'll say, wow, this is the best intercession of my life. And you'll be able to get into the newsman with, with, a, with a freshness and a, and a geschmack because you're going to hit the ground running because you had a great in as well. If you go and you just, like, surrender and wave the white, right, white flag to the Yitzhar and say, okay, fine, let me just look at everything that I want, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. And I know that the, the taiva is great, and I know that the, that the challenge sometimes seems like insurmountable, but it's not. It's just a matter of being able to have Ramatis Yoh's in front of us. Like Yasef, when he was about to be uh with Ashes Paitifar, all of a sudden the appeared to him in the window and that stopped him. So if the over Matisseo Solomon, if it's Vraha, would would be in front of us, maybe like put a picture of him as your screensaver on top of your desktop or, or on your smartphone, and he should be the, the demus, like this is not good, this is not allowed, this is not something that I should, as a Bantaira, be permitting myself so freely to do, then we could have a much better life we could have a much better life. And if we learn the tools that we need when we're bachim and Yeshiva to try to be miscabra over this terrible yetsara, then when we get married and we're in the workforce or whatever we're doing, we'll always have that with us. Those guys that have that password system, today they're still very stark of B'nai even though they're married and they have children, they have a family, they're not in the Miskaret of Yeshiva, but they're still strong because they learned that ability to fight together when they were here, when they were in their prime, when they were able to, you know, they could have done it, but they didn't do it. They stopped by They stopped themselves. They were able to be yesvah tzaddik throughout the rest of their life. So let's take this one lesson from Ramatis life. It's time. If we could be makabal, if we want to be makabal on ourselves, Ramatis Yahu's chus is here for the asking. We could pick off those apples from the tree right now and be able to enjoy them easily. Because Rehmetusio's neshama, his chusim, are, are, are now by the Kisei HaKavid, and he's explaining to the Kisei HaKavid how difficult the, the technology Nisayin is. And when we are able to say, Rehmetusio, this is what, I'm not going to learn Mishnahites for you, but this is what I will try to do for you. I will try to curb my addiction or my interest in everything on the, on the internet to the best degree that I can, then hopefully, amidst Hashem, we will see tremendous Paris, tremendous Yat Dishmaya, and the Zchus of the great Nifter, aymed l'ano u'lovaneno ad ayman.